Mr. Merakian, we'll hear from you first. Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court. Um, I represent the appellants seeking reversal of the district court's grant of summary judgment of finding qualified immunity and official immunity uh, in my client's federal and common law claims of uh, excessive force and battery. Because these cases are, this court is well familiar with these cases, having decided at least six cases uh, in this uh, of excessive force and battery between 2009 and 2019, and a seventh case uh, just very recently. Um, and all these cases are so fact-intensive um, uh, uh, and uniquely determined by their facts. I want to take just a couple of minutes to address what I believe are the facts when viewed in the light most favorable to uh, the appellant, which is uh, what this court will do in ruling on uh, summary judgment matters. Mr. Jacobson is an auto dealer, and he has authority, had authority to be at an auto, a private auto auction um, by showing his access card, which he did within 15 seconds after entering. Uh, there's a video of everything that took place in the nine minutes that transpired from the time he entered to the time that he was pepper sprayed, punched, uh, kicked, and thrown to the ground and handcuffed. Uh, he had authority from the moment he entered and showed his card to the time that he ultimately was handcuffed and taken out. He was never a trespasser and he was never there without authority. Secondly, the facts show uh, uh, absolutely and as admitted by the defendant, Mr. Jacobson was unarmed. Um, he uh, uh, was not at any time until after he was thrown to the ground, placed under arrest. He was not resisting arrest. Uh, he was not non-compliant with any order that the officer was entitled to give under the Odessa rules or the Cass County Sheriff's Manual. Um, uh, he was not, um, uh, he was not um, uh, uh, in any way anything other than what this court has called in many occasions before a potential uh, nonviolent, unarmed, potential misdemeanant. Uh, he was not fleeing. He was not resisting arrest. He was not attempting to avoid arrest. Uh, and according to the officer himself, uh, Mr. Jacobson did not threaten the officer or any person um, uh, close by or in, in, at any time in the premises of the auto auction. Within that context, is it, is it, Go ahead, Judge Kelly. Uh, thank you. Um, is, there, is there a dispute about uh, whether your client actually shoved or, or touched the officer in any way? Well, there is no dispute about the fact that Mr. Jacobson did not touch, attempt to touch, shove, or in any way use any aggressive action against the officer until after the officer had pepper sprayed him in the face and had lunged forward with an attempt to place the can directly against his eye to spray him directly in the eye. At that I thought point, there was, if I can just interrupt, like I thought there was a something at least in either undisputed or maybe in dispute that that your client had somehow kind of pushed him away because of an injury, saying, "Oh, you know, I'm 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 tender. Don't touch me." Is you're saying that it's undisputed that nothing happened prior no, to the yes, pepper spray? I, yes, Your Honor. I'm I'm saying that the, the not only did Mr. Jacobson testify to this, as did a a witness who provided an affidavit. But there's a video that shows this. What happened there, what you're talking about, where this, uh, we believe that this came from, is that when Mr. Jacobson went, tried to go into an area of the premises, which uh, was referred to in some of the testimony as a restricted area, uh, at, at that point, the officer came up behind Mr. Jacobson, grabbed him by the arm, and tried to spin Mr. Jacobson around. Mr. Jacobson pulled away from the officer. He didn't shove the officer, hit the officer, or swing at the officer. He's hit and pulled away. The officer then immediately got behind Mr. Jacobson, shoved him down, 
this uh, a slight ramp, shoved him down to the bottom of the ramp about three or four times, as you can see on the video. At that point, Mr. Jacobson was out of the restricted area. Mr. Jacobson was in standing, leaning against a counter in an area he had every right to be, and he stood there for, under the video, a period of a couple of minutes while the officer is shown yelling at him, gesturing at him, and telling him, according to Mr. Jacobson and the witness, telling him he had to leave the premises. When he didn't leave the premises, then, as the officer began to reach for something, which is shown in the video, Mr. Jacobson actually stepped back to get away from the officer, at which time the officer lunged forward with his arm, striking Mr. Jacobson in the chest, pushing him back against the wall. Mr. Jacobson could not retreat further, at which point the officer then grabbed the pepper spray from his belt, sprayed Mr. Jacobson in the face, causing Mr. Jacobson to be blinded and having difficulty breathing, but the officer didn't think that the spray had hit him in the eye. So the officer then lunged forward, even though he had backup on the way and there was a security guard on the premises, the officer then lunged forward, and this again is coming from the officer, and put the can directly against Mr. Jacobson's face, trying to spray him in the eye. At that point, Mr. Jacobson reached up defensively and grabbed the hand. The officer pulled away. When the officer pulled his hand away, Jacobson's now holding the can. But the eyewitness said, as did Mr. Jacobson, Jacobson couldn't even see the officer at that point because he was blinded. He did nothing with the can, at which time the officer then struck Mr. Jacobson on the side of the head four times, then lunged in, grabbed him, knee-kicked him about two or three times, and then he and the officer who had been called as backup threw Mr. Jacobson down to the ground. That's what happened. Counselor, counselor, yes. counselor, I'm sorry, but uh, long, long before that, uh, all of the things, most of the things you talked about in that recitation, I think there, there was something to which the district court alluded, and I think it's important, and it may have been what Judge Kelly had in mind, but the district court said, after Jacobson's efforts to locate a manager failed, Kleinfelter attempted to make Jacobson leave. Jacobson did not leave. Instead, when Kleinfelter attempted to remove him, Jacobson, quote, shoved Kleinfelter off, unquote. Is that, right. is that, that true or not? No, it's not true. That, okay. that's, that's, that's what I'm telling you, Your Honor, and I apologize. All right, well, I want to make sure that we're, taught we're on the same page. We are on the same page, and that is the incident that occurred at the top of the ramp where Mr. Jacobson pulled his arm away Part of the problem here, and of course this court is well aware, is that is that you review the case de novo and you make your own determination of what the facts are and you view these questions of excessive force from the perspective and, and in the light most favorable to the appellant. And what I would say then is, is that moving in response to your question moving forward is that the, the best way to analyze this case under the controlling principles of law is to compare the facts in this case with facts in other cases, the six other cases this court has decided since 2009. Well, before, before we get into other cases, let's talk about this case a little bit more, if we could. I hear you saying it's undisputed that the officer directed Jacobson to leave. Is that true? Yes. And is it true that Jacobson refused to leave because he thought he wasn't required to leave? That is true. And... Is there any basis under the law for him to refuse a command from the officer, or does the refusal of a command give the officer authority to use at least some amount of force to uh, uh, carry out his order? 
I'll answer both questions uh, in the sequence they were asked. The first question is, did the officer have any authority to give the command? And the answer is absolutely and indisputably no. And the reason he didn't is because this is a private uh, auto auction. The officer, according to the Cass County Manual, goes well, on... But let's sorry. assume that for the sake of discussion. Okay. The officer ordered him to leave. Yes. Under the law, does your client have any right to resist the order, whether it was lawful or not? The, 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 uh, the, uh, uh, Mr. Jacobson had the right, both under the law and under the, uh, the Odessa rules, to, to stay on the premises unless and until he was told to leave the premises by a manager or a supervisor, or unless a manager or supervisor told the officer to remove him from the premises. Even if, however, the officer had authority to, to uh, demand that he leave, if we go back to the many cases this court has decided in which someone, a, a, the person who is, the, who is subjected to force, is non-compliant or resistant. Uh, for example, people are actually under arrest or are being arrested or are told by an officer to step back or step away, such as in the Carroll case, Carroll versus, uh, uh, Carroll case, uh, Brown versus City of Golden, the Shekelin case, the Bernicle case. In all of those cases, the officer claimed the person was non-compliant. And this court said that even in cases where somebody is non-compliant, the use of force is least justified, if ever justified, against someone who is uh, is an unarmed, nonviolent misdemeanant who is not threatening the officer or anybody else, who is not attempting to flee, or is not resisting arrest. I can see, Your Honor, that I am at, uh, I think, 19 seconds before I go into my rebuttal time, and for that reason, I'll save the remainder for rebuttal unless the court has further questions. Well, I have some questions, but won't we save them for rebuttal? And we'll hear from Mr. Whatever the court, whatever the court's preference is, Your Honor. Well, I think you should address the Tatum case at some point because uh, <clears throat> it's featured in the Appley's brief. It holds there's qualified immunity for uh, using pepper spray in the face against a nonviolent misdemeanant. Why isn't that a uh, pretty solid authority in support of the district court's ruling? Well, uh, Your Honor, I, I would say it's not because. The Tatum case has, has kind of some very unusual circumstances in that we have someone who is already under arrest and is being extremely noncompliant and, resist, and resistive. And the force was used after the person who's under arrest has essentially shown physical resistance and the officer sprayed in the face and then, uh, and then used some sort of a, some kind of a chokehold. The court ultimately determined that the spread, the use of the pepper spray, could justify, could be called excessive force. The reason that case ultimately was determined in terms of qualified immunity is because the court said there are two prongs. One is you have to the force used has to be a clear violation of right, and secondly, it has to also be excessive. In the Tatum case, the court said the use of the pepper spray could well be excessive, but under the circumstances of someone who's under arrest and who has been resistive despite being warned repeatedly by the officer, they could not say that the officer's use of force under those circumstances... I know what said, but why isn't that just like this case? Your man was told he had to leave, he refused, and so the officer used some pepper spray to try to corral him and get him to leave. Because the, the reason, there are several different reasons. One is because Mr. Jacobson was not only not under arrest, but he also, the officer, had no authority 
and the officer well knew this, under the Cass County Manual and the Odessa rules, the officer had no authority to demand that Mr. Jacobson leave. Even if he had the authority to demand that Mr. Jacobson leave, the use of pepper spray against a nonviolent person who was doing nothing but leaning against the counter when there was backup on the way and a security officer there would be excessive and unreasonably, or excuse me, objectively unreasonable force in light of those circumstances. Under the under this court's precedence in the six or seven cases that we've cited in our brief. Okay. Thank you for addressing that case. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ron. I wonder if I might ask a question. Uh, it's a simple question. Are you asserting only an excessive force case or also a wrongful arrest or malicious prosecution case? No, we, Your Honor, thank you for asking that question. I'll clarify. We are only making this case under excessive force in violation of Section 1983 and then a battery okay. case under the common law of Missouri. Okay, thank you very much. Yes, Your Honor. All right, you may reserve the balance of your time for rebuttal, and Mr. Heigl will hear now from you. Thank you. May it please this honorable court. Simply put, Deputy Mike uh, Kleinfelter simply did his job to serve and protect the property and the people at Adisa Auto Auction uh, on the day in question. Uh, with all due respect, we can dispense with the argument Mr. Uh, Merakian has made uh, quite uh, vociferously that Mr. Jacobson was just a peaceful, nonviolent misdemeanant. He admitted he fought with Deputy Kleinfelter. He admitted he resisted arrest. He admitted when he pled guilty to a plea bargain charge of disturbing the peace. He didn't, he wasn't arrested for violating Adisa rules. He was arrested for violating the laws of the state of Missouri. He was arrested for assault on a police officer. He was arrested for resisting arrest. He was also uh, uh, arrested for trespass. Now, the whole issue of trespass. He, Deputy Kleinfelter, was working as a Cass County Deputy Sheriff on the day in question. He was told by Adisa that he is to keep unruly people out. He was told by Adisa that he needed to make sure everybody showed an identification badge, which Jacobson did not do. Mr. Merakian is incorrect in that statement. If he did, all Jacobson had to do was go to the kiosk at the front door, slip his ID in, get a bitter badge, and he's golden. He is able to do whatever he wants. But Jacobson didn't do that. No, he told the unarmed security guard at the front who checked everybody, checked everybody in, so to speak. He cursed at her and told her to F off. Then when Mr. Kleinfelter or Deputy Kleinfelter saw that interaction, told him, stopped him, said you need to leave. He did not do so or he didn't show his ID. He cursed at Deputy Kleinfelter as, as well. Mr. Or Deputy Kleinfelter tried to de-escalate the situation and let Mr. Kleinfelter talk to the manager to explain his case. And it's all on video as well. It is all on video as well. They they walk a, a, a to and fro trying to find a manager at Adisa. They can't find one. Deputy Kleinfelter was specifically instructed by Adisa not to allow 
uh, uh, people to get into the quote unquote restricted area at the top of the at the top of the, the, the ramp. As soon as Mr. Jacobson started going up the ramp, Mr. or Deputy Jacobson stopped him and guided him down the ramp. What is what what is what is also on the on the on the record it and these are uncontroverted and the, the, the district court viewed all of these facts in a light most favorable to Mr. Jacobson and still ruled in favor of Deputy Kleinfelter on uh, the, a lack of a constitutional violation, no wrongful arrest, and there was probable cause. I, I'm sorry I'm jumping around, but probable cause was established three ways. One, he pled guilty. That establishes as a matter of law probable cause for the arrest. Two, the state judge found probable cause when he issued the arrest warrant on the three non-misdemeanor charges that he was he was arrested for. And four, the facts and circumstances of the case from Mr. or from Deputy Kleinfelter's uh, perspective shows as a matter of law in spades that 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 probable cause exists for this arrest to remove him from the premises for trespassing. Let's go over the un controverted facts that were viewed in a light most favorable to Jacobson by the district court. He didn't show a proper ID when he arrived and was told so by the first security guard at the door. Jacob never, or Jacobson never obtained the proper ID to participate in the auction by going to the kiosk, showing his whatever ID Mr. Merakian indicates that he had and showed immediately he didn't do that. He didn't get his bitter badge. All he had to do was do that case over. He didn't have the right identification. That's what's lost or not, not lost. That's what, if he would have had it, we wouldn't be here. Jacobson refused the instructions to get his badge, show his ID or leave. You can see on the video. Jake, Mr. Uh, uh, Deputy Kleinfelter is, is gesturing towards the door for him to leave if he's not going to follow directions. Jacobson didn't do so. Jacobson demanded to see a uh, de demanded to see a manager to explain his case. Deputy Kleinfelter de-escalated the situation, allowed him to do so. When that didn't happen, Jacobson went up the steps or up the the ramp to the non the, to the restricted area. That's when Mr. Kleinfelter, Deputy Kleinfelter, stopped him. That's what the facts are. I thought that Mr. Kleinfelter and Mr. Smith testified that he did show an ID. No, he did not. He, he It was not apparent to Deputy Kleinfelter that well, Jacob... But that's said, a question of fact. They said they did. They said that he did show the ID. And so it's in dispute whether he did or not, right? But that wasn't a part of the of the, the court's analysis for probable cause to arrest for 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 trespass, not leaving when told. I don't understand what that means. You said that that he did show it, and what I'm saying is that that's disputed. That is one fact in dispute, but it's okay, not dispositive so of, the, of the motion for summary judgment. I'm sorry. And, and then then you should argue it based on assuming that he did show the ID and explain why there was still grounds for what happened. 
because he because Deputy Kleinfelter is 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 authorized by Adisa to make sure that people that are only authorized to be there are there. And then when Mr. Jacobson went up into the restricted area, Deputy Kleinfelter stopped it and told him to leave, put him down at the uh, they went down to the bottom of the ramp. Deputy Kleinfelter, it's all on tape. He warns them, and it's admitted. He warns them, if you don't leave, I'm going to have to use pepper spray. And he didn't leave. He used, or he took the pepper spray out. It malfunctioned, spurted out onto his face. Then Mr. Jacobson fought, admittedly, fought with with Deputy Kleinfelter, grabbed, and this is this is witnessed by five people other than the two combatants, so to speak, grabs the pepper spray, tries to use it back on Deputy Kleinfelter, fights with Deputy Kleinfelter, pins Deputy Kleinfelter up against the wall, requiring him and another deputy to finally control Mr. Jacobson and put him on the ground, and then goes, and as soon as he is under control, his eyes are immediately flushed out. He's arrested, or he's he's already under arrest. He's taken to the to the to the to the jail. Arrest warrants issued, and he pleads guilty down the road to the 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 the, the lesser charge of disturbing the peace through a plea bargain, through an Alfred plea to a plea bargain. So, probable cause for the crimes or for whatever arrest happened was established as a matter of law in in the in the does that is that important in the analysis because there's no claim we've just been told of unlawful arrest only excessive force so if uh, Kleinfelder ordered him to leave and didn't have grounds to order him to leave was Kleinfelder still justified in using force if Jacobson refused his command or do yes. we have to go back and analyze whether he had grounds to order and believe in the first place he can use that reasonable force that is necessary to affect the arrest or stop the resistance and that's what he did this this court does that does that depend on whether it was a proper arrest or not that's my question it, it, it was a proper arrest. It, 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 that's the. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. You're it, trying it, to avoid the question, is what I see here. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm not being clear. Suppose an officer tells someone to leave mistakenly. He has qualified immunity and doesn't have authority to order him to leave. Can the citizen resist the order on the grounds that it's it's wrong? And if so, does the officer have authority to uh, use force then? Yes, and the citizen does not have a right to resist even an unlawful arrest in Missouri. And uh, that's what your brief said. But it, it, it is exactly what I'm very confident because you keep arguing that no, the arrest was lawful, as though that's the key to the case. It's twofold. The arrest is lawful. The force used was reasonable. But if Deputy Kleinfelter was somehow mistaken in the arrest, that arrest is objectively reasonable, and he's, in, he's entitled to qualified immunity. And that's exactly what Judge Lowry found. She said, A, 
I couldn't I couldn't find a based on the, the facts most favorable to Jacobson. I couldn't find a constitutional violation. But oh, as a as a fallback, if Deputy Kleinfelter was somehow mistaken, he's entitled to qualified immunity in summary judgment issues anyway. Okay. And so I'm I, I'm I'm troubled. I'm troubled. I'm not troubled. I, I'm 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 concerned about the, the about your about your statements about the appropriateness of the arrest, and if the arrest is appropriate, which I don't think now is is in dispute. If the arrest is appropriate, then you can use objectively reasonable force to affect that arrest. Well, I thought it was in dispute because the disorderly conduct allegedly occurred after the force was employed and the plaintiff is saying he showed the ID at the front and you admitted earlier that that's a disputed fact. So it's possible that there was no basis to order him to leave. And that's why I've been questioning you about that because I thought your argument was even if it was a wrong order, uh, if the guy resists, the officer can still use reasonable force to carry out his order, even if the order was flawed. But that's exactly that's right. That's a, that's, and I apologize if I was inartful in that argument, but that is that is what was argued and as established in the briefing. Um, I, I, I think the, the I think the the better argument, well. I, it, my, my primary argument is that there was no problem with the arrest itself. There was no, there was none. But if there is a problem with the arrest, it's objective that the mistake or whatever is objectively reasonable, and the the officer, Deputy Kleinfelter, can use that force which is which is necessary to affect the arrest and 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 stop the resistance. Well, now you're making it depend on whether the the command was objectively reasonable. I thought your position in the brief was even if it's an unlawful order, reasonable or not, the citizen has to comply. No, it's the force that's that it's the force that's reasonable. I'm I'm talking, Judge, not the the actual order. The the there is no what you mean when you say it was a mistaken use of force. Then I thought all the talk about mistake had to do with the arrest. I'm not familiar with the concept of stake and use of force. No, that's not, and, and I apologize. I, I don't mean to, to make that argument, Judge. The, it's, the, it's the, if the arrest is, if the arrest is lawful, summary judgment should issue. If the arrest is, for some reason, wrongful, and you have no right to resist even an unlawful arrest in the state of Missouri, so therefore, the force used in 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 overcoming said resistance is appropriate, and the use of pepper spray, one-time use after a warning, is objectively reasonable. The use of handcuffs is objectively reasonable, and one of the most recent, uh, uh, Mr. Marathian doesn't mention most recent Eighth Circuit announcements on use of force and qualified immunity and righteousness of arrest. The, the Fisher v. Hoven case of an arm bar in order to affect the arrest is objectively reasonable. So all of the force used was objectively reasonable, regardless 
of how the court considers the appropriateness of the arrest. Either way, summary judgment is appropriate. So, uh, is, I only have 15 seconds. Is there any other questions for you, Judge? Or Judge Arnold or Judge Kelly? Okay, I, 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 would, I would respectfully request that the, the full and depth and breadth of my brief be incorporated herein and that those arguments be uh, used uh, to guide the courts in its, in, its, in its ruling. Very well, thank you for your argument. Mr. Marakian, from you and rebuttal. Yes, thank you, Your Honor. Very quickly, I want to address this issue of uh, probable cause to arrest. This is not a wrongful arrest case, and that's why Mr. Heigl's argument is flawed. And I, I will tell you, I will, I'll simply say to the court, you can look at your own precedents, including the Smith versus Kansas City case, Brown versus um, the City of Golden, and numerous Mr. other cases. Heigl, why don't you mute your microphone, please? Thank you. In which, in which the court has said, even if there's probable cause to arrest, that doesn't end the discussion. Even if there's probable cause to arrest, you must look to see whether or not the force used is objectively reasonable and was objectively or, or was, was not excessive. A prime example, in Smith versus Kansas City, the gentleman was arrested. They had a warrant. They arrested him. As they're taking him out of the house, he struggled with the officer. They threw him against a rail. He fell down a couple of feet under, under the concrete. And the court came back and said, no qualified immunity, because even though the arrest was lawful, the force used was objectively unreasonable or could be objectively unreasonable as and the force could be excessive. In Brown versus City of Golden, this idea that 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 everyone has an obligation to comply. And if you don't comply, the officer can do whatever the officer wants has never been accepted by this court. Brown versus City of Golden and Shackleton uh, and Bernicle v. Fong are prime cases. In Brown versus City of Golden, the officer had every right to tell the woman, put down your cell phone. What he didn't have the right to do when she didn't put down her cell phone, he didn't have the right to hit her with a taser and drag her from the, hair, from the car by her hair. In Bernicle, the officer had every right to tell the gentleman, step back, I'm trying to arrest this woman. And when the man didn't do that, the officer did not have any right to then pepper spray him, punch him in the stomach, and throw him to the ground. In this case, we're talking about the same, in Shackleton, the same thing. The officer had every right to tell the person to step back and to stop arguing and stop cussing at me. What the officer didn't have the right to do was to then pull out his pepper spray or, or taser and tase the gentleman. What this court has said is whether or not a single shot with pepper spray is excessive force is a question of fact. It's a disputed issue. That's in the Bernicle case. In this case, what we're saying is you look at the, 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 the precedent from Brown, from Carroll, from Shackleton, from Bernicle, all cases in which there was no arrest at all, and you say, under these, case, these, cir these circumstances, was the use of pepper spray, followed by an attempt to spray in the eye, followed by punches to the head, followed by, 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 by knee, knee kicks, followed by throwing to the ground, was that objectively reasonable and appropriate force against a nonviolent, unarmed, suspected misdemeanant who was not under arrest, was not fleeing, and was not threatening anybody? That's what this case is about. Thank you, Your Honor. All right. Thank you, both counsel, for your arguments. The case is submitted, and the court will file an opinion in due course.